So now you got me going again. I, what I told him was, I said, this is, this is no different than us starting an IV on a trauma patient and not trying to find where the bleed is. And, you know, once you run in a couple liters of saline, all that's coming out of that wound is pink Kool-Aid. I said, and we can't have that. We've got to stop the bleed. This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and this week we're going to talk about one of those many elephants in the EMS room that we've seen in the last year, if not some people's entire EMS life. That is pay. And to help me discuss this, I have the boss. I have Greg Fries, who's the editorial director of uh, all of the uh, Lexapol verticals, EMS One, Fire Rescue One, Police One. Greg, welcome and thank you for uh, joining me today. Rob, happy to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. And also Mark Lockhart, who is the chief paramedic do you have a chief paramedic in your organization? I think you should do. Who is, as I say, the chief paramedic from Durham EMS in North Carolina. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Rob, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. This all started, uh, pay, and this particular thread and discussion started, Greg, when you wrote an, an op-ed, an editorial, an article about a thriving wage. We all agree we need one, but just take us back to your thoughts and the motivation for that particular uh, op-ed. Well, thanks, Rob. You know, as you both know, a top issue that's come up uh, in any number of, I guess, survey instruments or industry discussions, uh, including the annual EMS trend report, is that uh, compensation, low compensation, is a top concern of field providers. So that's an area where I've had my antenna up of, you know, how might I contribute to the conversation or uh, advocate for increased wages for EMS providers. And I actually uh, had saw, saw an article in another publication, a Fast Company, about competing for better talent. And they introduced a concept of, you know, uh, employers shouldn't be competing to offer employees a living wage, but to offer employees a thriving wage. And that got my wheels turning, thinking about, like, what would a thriving wage mean for an EMT or paramedic uh, across the country. Our readers are national. Uh, so that's what led me to sort of ponder it and then write about the concept of a thriving wage for EMS. Now, we're going to put that article in the show notes, obviously, but within your article, there's also web links to various reference documents. And do those things almost give you sort of algorithms and scales and tables to work this out for where you live? Yeah. So I thought this was fascinating. You know, I did a Google search, like what's a living wage? And uh, M- MIT um, has a living wage calculator where you input your zip code and then you can see if you're like a single uh, household, single person household, uh, a, a single person plus a dependent or two working adults, no dependents and see what in that zip code, a living wage, like dollars per hour to meet the basic necessities of uh, shelter, utilities, 
um, food, uh, clothing, etc., is. And you know, not surprisingly, there's a lot of variability around the country. I live in rural Wisconsin, which I'm sure is much different than you're in near Los Angeles and. Mark is in uh, Durham, uh, Research Triangle. Uh, so a lot of variability uh, from place to place. And, you know, but probably what is common, though, is in a lot of places, the wages that EMTs and paramedics are maybe just getting them to a living wage, but unlikely getting them above and beyond to a wage where they could really thrive as a self-actualized uh, person uh, or, uh, you know, a a leader of a family uh, unit. And that's a very thought-provoking argument and discussion. And obviously, we all strive for the living wage. You mentioned LA. Don't get me started on fuel, Greg. Yeah. Although I theoretically don't use much fuel when you're going at five miles an hour everywhere. So, you know, there's, right. there's a trade-off there somewhere. But that then takes us across to North Carolina to, uh, to Chief Mark Lockhart. You read this, and also Durham has just gone through the entire process of increasing paramedic wage. So why don't you, A, talk about your organization, size, who you're serving, et cetera, and then take us through the, the story of, of the wage increases in your locality. Durham, North Carolina is uh, in the, the north central part of the state, uh, home to Duke University, uh, Duke University Medical Center. Uh, we also have, obviously, University of North Carolina is close by um, and also uh, dealing with uh, uh medical system there, as well as Wake Med uh, in Wake County, which adjoins us. Um, we are running about 54,000 calls a year um, and staffing uh, units on, on rotating shifts. We work 12-hour shifts, but we have day shift, night shift, and then we have peak shifts as well. Um, so we, the county had conducted a study last fall on hard to retain, hard to recruit positions. And this is, of course, as we're in the middle of the pandemic and we had vacancies throughout the county. Um, and EMS, of course, showed up in that survey. There was a, a, some study work that was completed and then some recommendations were made to our HR department uh, and then on to our county board of commissioners. And part of that was that we were going to bump paramedics up into another pay band. Uh, it was going to result in about a 5% increase um, and their pay, we were found to be very market competitive at the EMT level. Um, and so that, uh, that all had, had kind of started in the December timeframe. Uh, Greg's article came out in, I believe it was early January, mid January. Um, and I read that and that kind of started the, the wheels turning on, well, what, what isn't done yet? What, what do we still have to do with this? And sure, the 5% bump was great, but we still at, at that point, we're looking at paramedics coming in around twenty to twenty-one dollars an hour, maybe twenty-one fifty an hour, um, and so we also had some compression issues, which are not uh, unique in EMS, uh, and so that kind of got the ball rolling as far as what what we wanted to try and do. As we had started working on that and looking at some potential options, um, the third week in March, I believe. Uh, an adjoining county rolled out a huge wage initiative and it uh, increased uh, pay there at the EMT, AEMT and paramedic level significantly. Uh, paramedic pay uh, was going up to $28.13 an hour. Um, in a region where paramedics were making between 20 and 
$21.50 an hour. Obviously, that was that was uh, a big splash. Uh, so we then started working on uh, on what we could do because that was not only going to be a huge recruitment incentive for them, uh, it was going to be a huge ding to our recruitment efforts. Uh, so we started working on it from there, and we we set out with the intent of we could either get close, we could match, or we could beat. And so my intent uh, when we started working on that was, uh, yeah, it'd be great to get close. It'd, it'd be great to match. But my intent was to go out and let's let's beat that. And and it wasn't that I wanted to beat what the other agency was paying. It was that I wanted to do whatever we could to advance the wage increase for our folks. And of course, I had Greg's article sitting here on my desk. And I, as we started talking with a county manager, with human resources, and with the budget office, we kept talking about this EMS pay increase, EMS pay increase. And it, it, it bothered me that the title just did not sound right to me. And it didn't sound like it was going to help us in trying to make the connection with the, the powers that be, that we needed. We needed their support. And so I, I happened to glance at Greg's article uh, and was rereading it. And I thought, that's it. It's not going to be the EMS pay increase. It's going to be the thriving wage initiative. And so I started mentioning that and it was in emails. And pretty soon I've got, you know, folks in, in human resources saying, hey, we need to talk about this thriving wage initiative issue. And so it was like, OK, so we we, we, we kind of coalesced around that that title and that really kind of became then not only the, the name of, of the initiative, but it was kind of the call to action for us was that we wanted to have a thriving wage for our team here at Durham County EMS. Greg, look what you started. Good Lord. <laughs> um, first of all, but let me, before we get on to the next question, let me just make a sort of editorial point, if I may, before you all out there start running to the social media commentary pages one thing, and, and if, I don't know if you knew Mark, but I, used to be, I was in Virginia for 10 years. And so obviously what the market can afford in one state sometimes is different to what the market can bear in others. And so we advertised once for paramedics and put out the, the, the hourly and the annual rate. And of course, the good folk of New York, of LA, of Chicago, of, the, of, of Houston, then immediately hit us back by saying, my God, we wouldn't come to, we wouldn't wake up for that amount of money. So you have to realize the state... At, you know, you, you're thriving. Also means thriving where you live. Now, you know, as I say, if you have if you have my fuel bill, you don't want to, you know, etc. Et so before you start commenting on social media, people, you know, take it for what it is that we're talking about a very localized issue here. And if you're in a larger city with a larger income, larger ability to generate income, then things may be different. And so I, I just feel we need to acknowledge that. But before I sort of talk about legislative stuff obviously you had to play the politics a little bit mark because in order to get the raise and here come my favorite four words greg all those in favor you had to get someone to vote this through so how did you work the politics of all this so uh just for context i've been in this position since november of, of 2020 um, so I, and I came from, from the outside. I, previous to this, I was the state EMS director in Wisconsin up in, in Greg's area. And so I, I came into this, um, and, and this all just kind of fell into our laps, if you will. Um, but as we started talking about this internally, obviously I had to get my boss on board with it. Uh, we had to get his boss on board with it, our, our general manager. 
and then we needed to get obviously some other folks within county government, not the least of which was the county manager, uh, who at this point, when this started kind of blowing up, if you will, had been on the job, I think all of maybe three weeks um, and had come to us from from the outside. So um, we did start talking with, with human resources. Um, we had done some kind of back of the napkin uh, pencil calculations on what it would take to get us, because now at this point in March, we had a target of what, what the, the other agency had announced. Uh, so we had a target of what we were looking for. So as we started working through some of those real brief and very rudimentary uh, calculations, uh, we came up with, with a dollar amount. And we said that we were going to need $2 million to make this a reality. Um, and so I, I didn't get, uh, anything from my boss or my boss's boss other than, okay, so how are we, how would we make this work? So we started talking about that. We, we talked with human resources. They of course were naturally like, well, wait a minute, what do you, you need what? And we said, well, the, for the thriving wage initiative, this is what it's going to take. So they obviously are concerned about the rest of the county workforce um, and and other similar positions, if you will. Um, and then we had a conversation with the county manager and um, Dr. Kim Sowell uh, at that time, as I said, had been on the job, I think, two or three weeks. Um, and suddenly she has this chief paramedic uh, asking for two million dollars. And so the, the the nice part about that meeting was she did not say no. She did not say, well, she said, work it up and let's see what it looks like. So we then spent the next um, few weeks working on exactly what that would look like. There was a lot of back and forth with us, with HR, with the budget office, um, and a lot of discussion about exactly what this would look like. Um, but we finally came, uh, came around to uh, a plan. and. Um, kind of push that forward. And we were told, okay, you need to keep working that and, and let's try and get the numbers down as, as exact as possible. Um, and so obviously uh, I was elated at that point. Um, we had alerted our team here to the fact that we were working on this because I knew that we could very well lose 20 to 50% of our workforce to an adjoining County. And uh, so I had asked for their help and their support and letting me know uh, kind of where they were at and, and what they were considering and, and what a thriving wage would mean to them. And so I began to get uh, emails uh, from our team, uh, some very, um, very personal about what them going either to the adjoining county or getting a raise here would mean to them. And, you know, when, when you're hearing from an EMT who is having to make a choice between paying the rent or the mortgage and paying for childcare or having to decide between putting fuel in their vehicle or school supplies and very, uh, again, very personal stories um, of hardship that just made me appreciate the folks that, are working here and really made me that much more eager to try and get this thing through. Um, we did ask that for those, and we knew folks from here were going to apply at the, uh, at the other agency. 
And so we simply asked that if they got an offer in writing from that agency, if they didn't mind sharing that with us, that would kind of help us gauge where we were at with with our efforts. Um, so as this moved forward, it came time for the county manager to present her budget uh, to the Board of County Commissioners. Um, I was asked to be there uh, for that presentation uh, and was told uh, as we went into the chamber that the county manager was going to make a recommendation uh, on funding for the Thriving Wage Initiative. I wasn't told what it was going to be, um, and it was just kind of left at that. And so sat down in the chamber, sat next to my boss, uh, county manager was going through her proposal and pulled up a slide and it said she was recommending $2 million for the EMS wage adjustment. And I had to look at my boss and I said, does that say $2 million? And he said, yeah, it does. It does. And so at that point, we knew we had the county manager's support. She had been supportive all along, but at that point, we knew she she was supporting the effort and and was going to help us move this thing forward. It was now up to us with HR and budget to try and get this thing across the finish line. So I didn't make the mistake, but I hadn't looked into your background enough to realize you are an ex-state EMS director. And so, and I asked you a question about the politics. Well, well played, sir, because... (laughs) That's what you've been doing for a living. But that said, of course, you therefore had some political wherewithal, some ability to actually know how to work the system. And perhaps that's something that, you know, get on get on the lecture circuit and talk about that sort of stuff, because some people quite honestly don't know where to start. You know, and that probably comes down to making friends or making contact or having relationships with your local elected officials, your board of supervisors, your city manager, etc. So, there's obviously some a lot of work that's gone in to get you to that point to actually ask the question. We're just going to take a break to uh, thank our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Our thanks to Lexipol. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. And also, don't forget, on Amazon Music. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a second to rate us on the platform that you're listening to us on. So we're back here with Greg Fries and with Mark Lockhart. You gave us uh, the roadmap pretty much for getting the raise for the guys. The uh, envelope was open. The number was $2 million. What did that equate to in terms of you know an average paramedic or EMT hourly wage in the end? Sure. So uh, what it, it resulted in was a starting rate for our EMTs went to uh, $20.12 an hour. For AEMTs, it went to $20 and, or I'm sorry, $22.62 an hour, and starting pay for paramedics went to $28.25 an hour. Now, that, that was great as far as an increase in the starting rate, but it didn't really account for the experience that folks bring to this job. And so we have some members of our team who this is their very first EMS job. We have others who have worked in different systems and then come to Durham. And of course, we have folks who you know have, have spent the majority of their career here. So we added a, 
a percentage modifier for each year of experience. When we applied that across the board then for our EMTs, uh, again, remembering we were already market competitive uh, at, at that level. So for our EMTs, it resulted in about a 3% increase uh, in, in their uh, annual salary. At the AEMT level, it resulted in an 11% increase. At the paramedic level, it resulted in a 25% increase. And then our lieutenants, uh, who are shift supervisors, and our captains, who are shift commanders, uh, it went between 18 and 28% increase. Now, I need to also throw in there that, so the budget was approved uh, in June. The rate was going to attack, take effect July 11th. In the, in the middle of that, or before that, the county had a 3.5% cost of living adjustment that went into effect. And then there was merit increases based on your annual evaluation of either 3% or 4%. Those, obviously, I would have liked to have done the thriving wage first and then had yeah. COLA and merit. Uh, but because we had, had essentially achieved this in about three months' time, there just wasn't, there wasn't a way to do that. So we wound up with the thriving wage at the very end. But, you know, again, when you're, you're looking at anywhere from a, for, for the majority of our folks, between 3 and 25% increase uh, across the board. That, that's excellent. Let, let me ask some more bucket of money questions then. So they gave you a, a, a very large number. How are they funding it? Are they, is there a tax levy going up? Is that coming out of the, the county coffers? How is it sustainable? Well, it's, it's sustainable right now. I mean, the, the money was in, in the county general fund, is my understanding. And so on top of that, um, we had already planned – uh, an increase in our service in our service fee. Uh, we had not increased our uh, transport rates uh, just yet, and so typically that's done as part of the budget process. So there was already a planned uh, hike uh, in place for uh, service fee, but the majority of that funding was coming from um, general revenue couple of other questions before I uh, turn the spotlight off. And uh, so are, are you a union shop? No, we are not. So what you've in fact done is you've been uh, chief paramedic and also almost shop steward in this level of negotiation. So kudos to you, sir. I think I think that's uh, that's excellent. But you're also a public sector organization. Just let's just confirm that. And uh, yes. in, the same, in, in the same way that we've just seen recently in the news, and actually on EMS1, Greg, that uh, our good friends at Austin, and we had Rob Luckritz on the show a few weeks ago, um, have similarly managed to raise their folks' wage to hopefully a, li- a living, thriving wage. And, and again, all power to localities and municipalities that can do that. But Greg, coming back to your thriving wage, of course, as you know, I work in the private air arena. I'm with AAA and the California Ambulance Association. And in order to get more money in, we actually have to get the government to give us more, uh, you know, income, more medical, more Medicaid, more Medicare, because if we don't get the money in, we can't pay the money out. And so how does your thriving wage adjuster account for a lot of paramedics who are working in the private sector who are rate governed by the income that's coming from the government? Well, Rob, that's a complex question. I think the I know you're you know, the editor in chief, and I'm asking you all the complex questions, mate. Off you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the I guess the this may be the uh, cop out I have is that um, 
I, I'm in this position where I can throw ideas out to the world, and I'm thrilled that, that Mark oh, saw yes. an idea, <laughs> grabbed a hold of it, and and turned it into something uh, for his agency and personnel. And just like absolutely delighted and tickled thinking that um, I threw an idea, you know, a dandelion seed uh, into the wind, and that turned into these significant increases for paramedics, EMTs, and AMTs in Durham County. And so, Mark, when I got your message recently about that, you know, it made my summer. Like, I was just thrilled to hear that. So, uh, thank you. Um, the, you know, Rob, to your question, um, at risk, you know, the cliche is, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. And, um you know, I think my optimism look at the world glass half full that if, uh, you know, as Durham County and the adjoining county, uh, Austin, as there's agencies that are figuring out ways uh, to increase wages, they're setting an example. They're giving us a roadmap like you just described and Mark shared with us. This is how we did it. Uh, and, you know, so other uh, EMS leaders should be looking to these examples of what what's going to work in my specific situation. What can I draw? So, for example, uh, Mark has uh, reinforced the idea that that words we use really matter. Like if you're trying to sell something, how you uh, describe that thing to decision makers is really important. Uh, and then it it also matters to get input from. The employees, like what's going to make a difference to them? You know, certainly we all know that compensation is at the top of the list. Uh, but now that that Mark and his group have solved that for now, I, I can't imagine Mark you're just stopping and saying, "Oh, we got employee retention recruitment figured out." I'm sure you're trying to do other things to make your 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 agency a destination of choice. Uh, and then finally, Rob. As, as you well know, um, we all play a role in advocating for our uh, profession, uh, regardless of the service model. And, you know, I'm a bit of a broken record on this, that you got to belong to professional associations. You got to advocate to your local, state and national political leaders and make sure the voice of EMS is heard. Um, and, you know, if you have a county system, it, it's great to have the sort of buck stop at the uh, county manager and the county board, um, but other agencies have different, I guess, governance models that they report into. Uh, they should know those models, and then they should be advocating to the right people and using messages that are gonna gonna sell, gonna uh, capture people's attention, and and help them get behind supporting EMS. That was an excellent response and a great answer, Greg. And thank you for uh, taking up my challenge. And uh, yes, I think everybody should be involved, never more than right now, in terms of getting involved in a state association, in a national association, whether it's AAA, whether it's NAMT, whether it's your local state ambulance association, because I think, and I've been saying all along, we're in a battle royale at the moment to increase the rates because people you know focus on the 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 cost per call when actually the cost per readiness is the thing that you know enables us to be there and that cost per readiness has to cover paying for good people and retaining good people and doing exactly what you've done mark and uh, i couldn't let anybody get away without putting the other side of the coin here because that's what i do for a day job right so we have to make sure that we are we are advocating 
Mark, thank you so much for uh, for telling your story. Um, as I say, it's a roadmap, and uh, a lot of folk could really, you know, learn something in terms of the the methodology and the approach that you took. And obviously, it was backed up with 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 not only dare I say not only Greg's article, but obviously local comparison, local data, uh, and information that allowed you to state your case accurately and well. And, and I'm sure that was something you'd also done a lot of groundwork in preparing in preparing to go to your local um, city manager board of supervisors. Yeah, it, it really was a team effort. Our uh, business services uh, manager uh, Katrina Harrell here in our office was just a huge, huge help to us and making sure that the numbers told the story, you know, appropriately. We had plenty of backup uh, as far as the numbers go, but Katrina really was able to help paint that picture in a way that was understandable to budget uh, and to HR. And then, you know, of course, without the support of uh, Jim Groves, our office director, um, uh, Gujan Parmar, our general manager, and Dr. Kim Sowell, who's our county manager, we, we, you know, we couldn't have done it. It was a team effort. And I, I think in the long run, um, it has helped now that because this has kind of sparked a regional effort um, in this regard. And we're hearing from our adjoining counties and other counties in the region that are undergoing pay studies now. And um, so we've been able to, to try and, and share what we've done at least um, and, and help spread the word and hoping that it, it, it catches on and that we start to see this uh, in, in other areas as well. Is there anything that uh, I fail to ask or you fail to tell me that you want to add in? You know, I, I think Rob and Greg, you know, for, for us, it's uh, many people here have told me that they, they still can't believe we got this through. And I think, you know, for me, I had the advantage of being new. So there was a lot that I, I didn't necessarily know. Um, but I think in the end, that was kind of a benefit because I didn't have the constraint of, um, some of the history or some of the the previous obstacles, but, you know, it it really came down to relationships and it was the relationship that we had in, uh, in, in getting information from the the surrounding jurisdictions. It was the relationship we had with the, the general manager that we were developing with the county manager. Um, and then the, the work that the organization had done up to this point and the appreciation that the the board of county commissioners had. Um, and so I, I think it, it really, again, you know, it, it came back to the relationships and we were just happy that we were able to, uh, you know, to make that happen. Um, you know, obviously our folks, uh, were very supportive of the effort. Uh, I will tell you that after all was said and done, we only had two individuals who left our agency. Uh, for the adjoining agency, um, and not that we couldn't still have some folks maybe you know jump ship, but I think at least as far as our retention effort goes, um, it, it was a success, and we're certainly hoping that as we go forward with recruitment, uh, it's going to help us be successful there as well. We haven't mentioned uh, recruiting or retention bonuses, Mark. What about that? The county did implement a $6,000 sign-on bonus as part as a result of this study from last fall. And I went ballistic because they were offering $6,000 to a new hire and what they were calling a retention bonus, which was essentially a longevity bonus because it was based on your years of service, was $800. And I I was apoplectic. I was like, are you kidding me? You're, you're, you're going, you're, oh, 
So now you got me going again. I, what I told him was, I said, this is, this is no different than us starting an IV on a trauma patient and not trying to find where the bleed is. Yeah. And, you know, once you run in a couple of liters of saline, all that's coming out of that wound is pink Kool-Aid. I said, and we can't have that. We've got to stop the bleed. And if we can't stop it, we've got to get them to the OR where they can. So that was that was the retention bonus. It's still in effect. I, I'm less concerned about that now. But I, I think the focus needed to shift. And that was really the motivation behind me trying to get the, let's look at retention. Let's not worry about recruitment. Let's worry about keeping the people we got. Wow. Well, how do you follow that, Greg? Uh, so, Rob, just uh, I have a mentor. When somebody would say, oh, I can't do that, he would say, uh, you're right, you can't. But if you could, how would you do that? So for for anyone that's listening and say, we can't pay more, uh, we're stuck, it, I would say to them, you're right, you can't pay your people any more than you are right now. But if you could, how would you do it? And start piece of paper, talking to people, and you'll be surprised. You'll get ideas. Uh, how can you do this? Uh, you've just got to start asking questions. As I said halfway through this, Greg, look at what you've started. Sometimes a great journey begins with a small footstep, and in this case, a small uh, essay. And so, you know, thank you for doing what you did there. But if we want to follow you, I think we know the answer to this. How can we follow you and keep up with you? Of course, uh, look for me on ems1.com, also Twitter at GFreeze, and I welcome connections on LinkedIn from any listeners. And Mark, how can we keep up with you, catch up with you, follow you, and uh, really see how things are continuing to go in Durham? Uh, EMS Durham is the way to find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. And we post uh, updates on there, uh, usually on, on Mondays. Uh, there's a regular update that goes out, and then we update uh, as needed uh, throughout the week. Well, we'll be sure to follow. So this has been a one-stop about the thriving wage, about a living wage, about how one organization has very elegantly laid out, laid out the roadmap for how they've done it. Obviously, the battle continues, though. And, uh, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And that's whether you're in a public sector organization or whether you're out there with us legislating for change for income in order to ensure that we can actually pass that through. So for the moment, Mark and Greg, thank you so much. And uh, we'll hopefully catch you again sometime soon. Thanks, guys. Okay, so that was Greg Freeze and uh, Mark Lockhart. I've been Rob Lawrence. This has been EMS One Stop. And until next time, Bye for now.